Last week we began our sermon series for the season of Lent entitled God on the Move, showing us each week how the God we know in Christ is always on the move in our lives and how this God calls us to follow alongside. Today we continue on our Lenten journey to Jerusalem with Jesus and his disciples, and we get an entertaining but powerful exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees concerning his mission. I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 13th chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 31st verse. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I am casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my work. Yet today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must be on my way, because it is impossible for a prophet to be killed outside of Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often have I desired to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me again until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord, and thanks be to God. There's a common scene in many old Western movies. There's tension between two rival groups, whether they're two rival groups of outlaws or tension between outlaws and a new law enforcement official, the new sheriff in town. And the tension is always over power and control, over a frightened town on the frontier. The gauntlet is thrown down by an outlaw to the other or to the new lawman saying, you and your friends better leave town by high noon tomorrow or else. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not very familiar with Westerns, nor am I really a big fan of them, but from my understanding, the second party, whether it's the rival outlaws or the new sheriff, uh, uh, never heeds the threat and leaves town. What usually happens is you see a tough guy actor, usually Clint Eastwood, John Wayne, um, the list goes on. All the folks with that same gritty, unwavering voice never flinch to this threat to leave town. And that's typically when the action begins and the drama starts to unfold. Our gospel lesson this morning provides a similar scene. Jesus has been preaching and teaching parables, then all of a sudden some Pharisees come to him scurrying, saying, hey, you and your disciples need to leave town quick. Herod is trying to get you. Let's pause for a second. The Herod the Pharisees are referring to is not King Herod, but rather Herod's son, Herod Antipas. He had authority over this region, and though it's clear he's not a king like his father, this Herod has a little bit of insecurity about his own authority. He saw anything as a threat, especially now this Jesus who's come teaching about God's kingdom, making his already small authority even less significant. Now, another question pops up here. Why are the Pharisees warning and possibly even helping Jesus? Aren't they too the bad guys? It often seems so. 
The Pharisees have tried to trip up Jesus before in the gospel. In fact, just two chapters ago in Luke, they tried to do that. So why do they now seem concerned about his safety? Now, while the Gospels show the disagreements between Jesus and the Pharisees, there's one thing that they share as a concern. Rome, the empire and all who represent it. This includes Herod, whose insignificant power only exists because of Rome. Herod, you see, is a pawn of the empire. Even though he too is uh, Jewish, he is at best complicit and at worst an ambassador of the empire that is currently oppressing the Jewish people. Herod wants the Jewish people to fall in rank and file with the empire because it benefits him. But Jesus is speaking of a different kingdom entirely. The kingdom, the commonwealth of God. Because of this, Jesus, like Clint Eastwood or John Wayne before, doesn't flinch at the threat. In fact, he quips back, saying, Go and tell that fox for me. Listen, I'm casting out demons and performing cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day, I finish my work. Now, calling Herod a fox is quite a loaded statement here. And since we're in the thick of hunt country here in Fauquier County, I'm sure it's one that stuck out to many of us. A fox in this time represents slyness and craftiness. But at the same time, a fox doesn't have any of its own power or integrity. It's only able to catch smaller and more vulnerable animals. Herod thinks of himself like royalty. A lion would have been the fitting animal for this image of himself. But Jesus calls him a fox. Still a predator, yes, but a sly, shifty predator without any real power. This fox is to be told that Jesus will continue on with his ministry, unfazed, on his own terms. He's planning to leave town anyways and won't be intimidated by the powers that be. There's more that Jesus gives us in his response, though. He brushes off Herod, says he's going on with his mission, but he says that basically Herod will get what he wants, but on Jesus' terms. Jesus' response is a reminder that his earthly ministry will ultimately lead to the cross. For us, a successful career is often celebrated with a retirement, perhaps a pension, maybe a gold watch. But for Jesus, the culmination of his successful ministry on earth will ultimately lead to the cross. He then identifies the place for his ministry to culminate. Jerusalem, which literally means in Hebrew, the city of peace. But it's a city that has a history of harming those the Lord has sent. Jesus laments the holy city of David here, but he doesn't just lament about the city. He laments about the entire people of God. One scholar says that in the Gospel of Luke, Jerusalem is almost another character in the story, representing the entire people of God. Jesus laments that time and time again, God's people haven't listened to those whom God has sent. But even worse yet, they've killed those who are sent by God. But Jesus doesn't just lament. He invites. He welcomes. He embraces. He uses the image of a mothering hen, gathering her brood of chicks for safety under her wings. So often we think of God having fatherly characteristics, but here Jesus himself uses a beautiful yet powerful image of a mother's love and protection of her brood in the face of danger. 
God's love in Christ, he says, looks a lot like a mother hen compassionately gathering her brood from the grasp of the sly fox. But as he invites, he also laments, saying that time and time again, the people have rejected this invitation, saying, you are not willing. Jesus doesn't call Herod a fox simply to spite him. He does it to set up a metaphor. And you can see it start to form. Herod's fox is met by Jesus' hen. Both are after the vulnerable brood. Herod will use fear and craftiness to oppress and control the brood, while Jesus will use compassion and love to embrace and welcome the brood back to safety. The chicks have gone astray. The people of God have killed those who God has sent. They've become complicit with the empire who has oppressed them. Yet God, like a mother hen, is continuing to work to gather the brood together. Herod is a fox, but this metaphor also points to the fact that Herod is not a lone fox. After all, he's just a pawn of the bigger empire. There are so many foxes trying to use fear and craftiness to oppress. Unless you know the ending of the story, it seems inevitable that this metaphorical fox would win against the hen. You know, so often in our world today, it seems like foxes are winning. How often do we see war continue to uh, wage on? Totalitarian regimes continue to use fear and terror to entangle the brood. This weekend, our world has mourned and lamented with the people of New Zealand and particularly the Islamic community there and around the world after we have seen the fox at work, fueled by hatred and the brutal massacre at mosques in Christchurch. But we also don't have to look far away to see this as we continue to see the fox's work of violence and hatred in our own backyards. It often seems like the craftiness and predatory Nature of the fox has the upper hand. But thankfully, friends, we know how the story will end. We know that the fox's power is no match for the radical, unconditional love of God shown in Christ. And Jesus, in our passage, even gives us a glimpse of this. He talks about his coming death, but he also gives us a glimpse of his resurrection. As he says, on the third day I finish my work. Jesus' earthly ministry, which he describes as a mother hen gathering her brood, doesn't end on the cross. His work isn't done until the third day when he will emerge from the empty tomb, triumphing over sin and death and ensuring that the sly fox will never get the last word. Our reading today, friends, tells us that in Christ we trust in an active God who is always on the move. Like a hen gathering her brood, God is always about the mission of gathering us together. There's nothing, no fox, no powers, no amount of hatred or violence, nothing at all, not even our very selves, can stand in the way of our God in Christ working, longing to gather us together, to mend broken relationships, to heal and to reconcile. In between Christ's resurrection and his return, the time in which we live now, it does often seem like the foxes of the world have the upper hand. But as followers of Christ, we can boldly claim that the third day, that resurrection is coming, 
that love will triumph over hate, that compassion will blot out oppression. The role for us now as we await Christ's return is to live together into that reality, to be willing to be gathered into the brood, to not be complicit with the foxes of the world. Our role is not to put up our arms and surrender, but to hold our arms out that we might embrace and welcome others into the brood of Christ. Friends, God loves us like a hen who gathers her estranged chicks back into the brood. This is not a time to exclude or to put up barriers as to who is and who is not welcome. Rather, it's a time to reach out, to welcome, to embrace. Because as Christ's body, friends, we know that the third day is coming when the unlikely will happen. The compassion of the hen will have the last word over the craftiness of the fox. May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.